Turning in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We want to read at verse 11. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Let's stop reading there and look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we just thank you that we can come together tonight for a few moments and study your eternal word. Look into your mind. We pray that we would treasure these moments as we have the opportunity to be instructed by your spirit, to be reproved, to be encouraged as the need of our heart may be. And so we pray that you would bless our time now as we study your word for a few moments together. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're continuing to consider Paul's defense of the gospel of grace to these churches of Galatia. And in verse 11, he asked them a rhetorical question. He says, if I preach circumcision, then why do I suffer persecution? If I preach circumcision, why? Five times did I receive from the Jews 39 stripes, just one less than the maximum allowed by the law, which was 40. Why? Three times. If I preach circumcision, was I beaten with rods? Why? If I preach circumcision, was I stoned and left for dead? It wasn't because I was preaching circumcision. It's because I was preaching the grace of God. Then Paul makes a critically important statement at the end of verse 11. He says, if I had been preaching circumcision, then is the offense of the cross ceased. The offense of the cross. The cross is an offense. It's an offense to us because it exposes all that we are. The cross exposes our heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But the cross also exposes all that is in our hearts. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, 
wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness. That's unbridled lust, excess, shamelessness. The cross exposes that we have an evil eye, that we're blasphemers, that we're proud, that we're foolish. Thirteen things that are listed there in Mark chapter 7. Thirteen, the number of rebellion. Thirteen things that describe our heart and all of what we said and what we just mentioned from those verses. All of those 13 things that describe our rebellion against God was laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was made sin for us. And God looked down on the Lord Jesus that day at Calvary. And he saw mine and your evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murders and thefts and the covetousness and the wickedness and the deceit and the unbridled lust and the excess, the evil eye, the blasphemy, the pride, the foolishness. He saw all of that that was laid upon the Lord Jesus and not ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. And in those three hours of darkness, the Father forsook the Son as He poured out His eternal wrath and eternal judgment against our sin, against all that we are. He poured it out, all of His judgment, all of His wrath, the blackness of darkness forever. He poured that out upon the Lord Jesus. The cross exposes us in all of our sin and rebellion and wickedness, and that's the offense of it. We don't like that. Where is boasting, Paul asked in Romans chapter 3 and verse 27. Where is whereof I may glory? That's what the word boasting means. Where is whereof I may glory? And the answer from heaven in Romans 3.27, it is excluded. It's excluded. There is no whereof I may glory for myself in the cross. And that's the offense of the cross. Boasting is excluded because there is none righteous, no, not one. Boasting is excluded because in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Boasting is excluded. Wherein I may glory is excluded because by the works of the law there shall no flesh be justified. Boasting is excluded because by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is the offense of the cross. And it cuts us to the heart and exposes us for all that we are. And, and the natural man's reaction to that 
is exactly what we read in Acts chapter 7 and verse 57, the reaction of the, the um, council to the preaching of Stephen. We do exactly what those men did. We cry out with a loud voice. We try to talk over that still small voice of the Spirit of God to drown out his conviction, to drown out his uh, uh, exposing our hearts, to drown out his message of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And we stop up our ears. We turn away our ears from the truth and we're turned unto fables. Fables like, I'm not such a bad person. I've never killed anyone. I've never committed adultery. I've never stolen anything. I honor my parents. I go to work every day. I take care of my family. I go to church. I, I even put some money in the offering plate. I do the best I can. And I believe my good outweighs my bad. And one day... God is going to accept me into heaven. That's works. That's works. That's the same message that these false teachers were teaching to the churches of Galatia. Works. Circumcision. That's what circumcision is. It's a work of the flesh. They were removing the offense of the cross. Just as the vast majority of preachers and teachers and pastors are doing in this country. They're speaking smooth things. They've removed the offense of the cross. They don't preach hating your life. They preach loving your life. They don't preach surrender to Christ. They preach commitment to Christ. They don't preach death to self. They preach self-actualization. And the offense of the cross has ceased. But there's a subtle form of this in Bible-believing churches and ministries. I think it's what we might call process Christianity. Raise your hand. Come down to the front. Repeat a prayer. Be pronounced saved. Become a candidate for baptism. And be recommended for church membership. That's going up by steps to the altar of the Lord. And it's appealing because it's something that we can do. Something that we can do. It's six steps to salvation. It's a very subtle form of what Paul is talking about here. It's a very subtle form of works. It's a very subtle form. It's a very little bit of leaven. Just a little bit of leaven that will leaven the whole lump and remove the offense of the cross. And it must be resisted. Even though it's the popular and easy way to go. Take away the offense of the cross and your popularity will grow. The popularity of your church will grow. Your numbers will grow. Your income will grow. Your acceptance in the community will grow. And your ill treatment and, and, and people looking down on, on your church will cease. All men will speak well of you. 
May this church never, never give in to that kind of thinking. May this church never depart from preaching the offense of the cross. In verse 12, Paul says, I would they were even cut off which trouble you. David Cloud has written a book called Things Hard to Understand. Some of you probably have that book. It's an excellent tool for studying the Bible. And he lists this verse as one of the things that's hard to be understood. We read that and we say, this is strong language. I would that they were even cut off, which troubled you. But the message is very clear. The words cut off are one Greek word that mean to cut off. That literally mean to amputate. But, but if you follow the word trail in your Strong's Concordance just a little further, you find that this Greek word cut off comes from a word that means to separate. To separate. The separation of a part from the whole. In this case, separation of a part is those who are troubling these believers, separating them from the whole body of believers there in the churches of Galatia. Verse 9 explains what Paul is talking about. Those that are troubling these believers are the little bit of leaven. The little bit of leaven, just a little, that needs to be purged out. The little leaven from which these believers need to separate themselves. Matthew Henry had an interesting way of describing this verse. He said that Paul is not desiring that those who are troubling these believers be cut off from Christ and be cut off from all hope of salvation, but cut off by the censure of the church which ought to witness against and stand against and stop tolerating these teachers who are corrupting the message of the gospel. The meaning here is very clear. And just as a side note, let's read verse 12 again. I would they were even cut off, which troubled you. We know what that means. But listen to this verse as it's written in the New International Version of the Bible. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. The American Standard Version says, Would that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Today's English version says, I wish that the people who are upsetting you would go all the way. Let them go on and castrate themselves. Here's an example. It's just a little example of how these new modern versions use this coarse and crass and lewd language that appeals to the flesh, that arouses the flesh, 
that, that causes our minds to go off message. They, use, they, they write these verses to pervert the message of this verse. Which is to stop suffering, to stop allowing leaven in the midst. The need to purge it out and separate from it. So here's just one example of how the true message of the Word of God is lost in these modern versions that have leavened the whole of so many churches in this nation. Verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. The liberty that we read about in verse 1, the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Folks, Christian liberty is not a liberty that is unrestrained by law. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, but not from the obligation of the law. The liberty that we have in Christ doesn't give us license to not honor our father and mother. It doesn't give us license to kill or to commit adultery or steal or bear false witness or covet. Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 6. I'd like for you to turn back there, if you would, to to Romans uh, chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? I've got a great big word written in my Bible uh, by verse 15. It's the word antinomianism. It's a big, long word. It brings to mind a word that when I was in grammar school, there was, uh, I never was a great speller. And so um, there was a kid there that just, I, I don't know that there was anything he couldn't spell. So he comes to school one day and he says, I got a new word. Everybody needs to learn to spell. Okay? Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Well, I think about that word every time I think, I, I see this word antinomianism. It's a great big word. I want to give you another resource book that you ought to have in your Bible library. It's uh, David Cloud's Way of Life Encyclopedia of the Bible and Christianity. It's an excellent Bible study tool because uh, he gives the definition of words like antinomianism. So what is that? Well, it's the teaching that the gospel or the Christian faith does away with the old moral law. 
It's the teaching that, that, that the, the Christian is not bound by it. Antinomians are those who claim to be Christians but refuse to follow any moral code. Claiming that Christian liberty liberates them to live entirely as they please. But what does God say about that? Well, we just read it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The 15th verse, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. This is what Paul is warning these Roman believers and what he's uh, warning these Galatian believers about. He's warning them to avoid this false doctrine. Let's go back to, to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Folks, the liberty that we have in Christ gives us freedom. It gives us the freedom and the power of God. And that power is Christ in us. It gives us the power to reckon also ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The liberty that we have in Christ gives us the freedom and the power of God to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it gives us the power not to make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The liberty that we have in Christ gives us the freedom and the power of God to use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. The liberty that we have in Christ gives us the freedom and the power of God to not be the servants of sin. To not be the servants of sin. But to do what? Look at the last part of verse 13. But by love serve one another. Brethren, ye've been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You know, for all the years and for all the times that I have read this verse, I miss the message that's here. Paul says, Brethren, Ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And instead of going into a long list of examples of how we use liberty for an occasion to the flesh, he says this, but by love serve one another. Finally, after all these years and after all of the readings of this verse, the message came through. The greatest example in my life of using the liberty that I have in Christ for an occasion to the flesh is by not serving one another by love. A few minutes ago, we said that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. But not 
from the obligation of the law. And what is the obligation of the law? Just this. Verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The greatest example in my life of using the liberty that I have in Christ for an occasion to the flesh is by not loving my neighbor as myself. And you know, the neighbors that are closest to us, the neighbors with whom we have the most to do, or you say it's our family, it is, it's our wife, it's our husband. But I'll tell you who else it is. It's our brothers and sisters in Christ. And using our liberty as an occasion to the flesh to not serve one another by love, using our liberty as an occasion to the flesh to not love our neighbor as ourself leads to what we read in verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Using our liberty as an occasion to the flesh to not serve one another by love, by not loving our neighbor, by not loving our brothers and sisters in Christ as ourselves leads to biting. Ever bitten somebody? Not literally. But bitten them with your tongue. Bitten them with an answer. Devouring. Ever devoured another believer? Just with your words. It leads to being consumed. One of another. It leads to problems. In fellowship. It leads to problems in the ministry It hinders the work of the Lord in so many ways. But turn back to John chapter 13. Because the Lord is not through teaching us about this. Look at John chapter 13. Look at verse 34. The Lord Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you. Now Paul just gave us what we might call the old commandment. We find it back in the book of Leviticus, I believe. The old commandment in which all the law is fulfilled. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But the Lord Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you. And here's the new commandment. The old commandment was, Love thy neighbor as thyself. The Lord's new commandment is this, That ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. 
how the Lord Jesus love us? Well, John tells us. 1 John 3 and verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 1 John chapter 4 beginning in verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. And then the very next verse, John says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. God loved those who did not love him. And if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another, even those who do not love us. Hard, isn't it? Easy preaching, hard living, Kent used to say. But the Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 32, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now look at verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you gather together three times a week. If you gather together and you sing the songs and you, you hear the preaching and you give your money. Is that how? If you work, minister for the Lord. Is that how he's gonna, you're going to know? Is that how all men are going to know? No. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that we would, each one of us, would allow your word to have place in our hearts. So many times we think so little about love and the importance of it the importance of it to this church, to the testimony of this church. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, by the love that ye have one for another. It's so easy to, to, to bite and devour and consume one another. 
Help us by love to serve one another. Help us not to use our liberty as an occasion to the flesh. To not love. To not love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray that you would help us to think about these things. And to live in the light of them. We ask it in Jesus' name.